This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey everyone, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I am your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with, uh, I don't want to say co-host, what else should we call you? I'm just, you know... Second host, second host, third host, what about first, second host. Yeah. Maybe you're the maybe you're the first host, and I'm the second host. I mean, that could be. Anyways, you're, you're Tyler Hurley, <laughs> and I'm right. Robbie Lashua, and we're here hosting together, cooperatively, mm-hmm. the Christ Culture and Coffee podcast. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, today we're going to talk about polygamy, yes. and uh, what the Bible says about it, and why it's not good for human beings. Mm, so yeah. just spoiler alert: we're yeah, in not case you, for in it. In case you didn't know that, I mean, yeah. you know, you might have thought. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's not the case. We are very against it, and um, the Bible is against it. There's yep. um, so many examples that we're going to get into today and just really break this down for you guys. And uh, it, again, we're just continuing in this topic in this series of sex because we want Christians to understand where the Bible stands mm-hmm. on sexuality, and that's what we're covering in this uh, series. So, uh, before we get into that today, though, this is Christ Culture and Coffee, so we are going to discuss a new coffee tip for you guys today. And this isn't new, this is, a lot of people know about this, but okay. something to be shared. So the question is, why does the coffee plant have caffeine in it? Right? Because, you, ever, you ever think about that? Because I need to wake up in the that's, morning. You know what? That's exactly why. Isn't that the right? purpose? Yeah. Of course it is. I mean, that's why else? So it's very interesting, though. That's not the only reason why, because I'm sure that's a reason. Uh, Caffeine is a coffee tree's defense mechanism and works as a natural pesticide. Wait, well, well, how? What, what, what do you mean? Yeah, this is interesting. So it has a to- like toxic levels of caffeine in its leaves, which are poisonous oh, to in garden the slugs. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's only in the leaves, though. It's not like actually, but the amount in it, it's like it's like a, it's toxic to slugs, okay. which are the common, you know, pest that comes in and just destroys plants like similar to coffee beans. Yeah, sure. Coffee plants. And so the caffeine that's in it acts as a pesticide and it'll kill them. If oh, they, so, so they keep away from it. Yeah, of course. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so it's super cool, but it's kind of a natural way that um, coffee is able to grow without being attacked all the time. That's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for it. I am too. And I I'm mean, also thankful that we like the I mean, thing that poisons the slugs, yeah. right? <laughs> well, you got to think it's already so hard to grow is to sure. be as good as it is. It has to be in a certain uh, yeah. environment yeah, and temperature and all before. that. Yeah, we talked about There's only like three main areas that coffee mm-hmm. is grown that's like really where it's it's good at so yeah uh, for the fact of how difficult it is to grow i'm thankful that there's at least uh some line of defense to prevent yeah. it from being even more difficult so uh there you go that's interesting coffee fact for you guys today it's that caffeine is a natural pesticide for the coffee tree that is amazing what do you man know? yeah what do you know that's crazy yeah well, hey, let's move into talking about polygamy. Now, again, um, <clears throat> polygamy is when uh, there are people who are married to more than one spouse, mm-hmm. right? So a man who's married to multiple wives, a woman who's married to multiple husbands. I think they call that polyamory when it goes that way, when it's mm-hmm. woman to man. Right. But we're, we're using polygamy as the general term for those types of relationships, having more than one wife or more than one husband. Now... It's so important to reiterate this, and we've talked about it for the last few weeks, but Mm -hmm. what is biblical marriage? What is the uh, relationship in which we as Christians should exhibit sex? And there is only one 
place that that's supposed to happen, and it's in a biblical yes. marriage. And what is biblical marriage? Biblical marriage is one man and one woman becoming one flesh for one lifetime. Mm. That's yes. four ones, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. And so polygamy adds plurality to the marriage. There's not mm-hmm. one man and one woman. There's one man and multiple women, one woman and multiple men. Yeah, of course. And that is not biblical marriage. Um, <clears throat> and again, one of the ways we see this, you know, people say, well, Jesus never spoke about, you know, homosexuality or Jesus never spoke mm-hmm. about polygamy. Well, he did. And we talked about that already. We absolutely did. But That's he right. addressed this when he said that when they were asking him about divorce in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, listen, uh, that isn't the way God designed things to be. Mm-hmm. And he goes all the way back to the created order. Mm-hmm. And he points to the creation of Adam and Eve as the standard and the, the proper design for how God wanted marriage to be. And God didn't create multiple wives for Adam. Yeah, that's he the thing. One. It's very specific. And that's the thing that he's Jesus is trying to get at. He's mm-hmm. trying to take you back to the beginning to say, look, this is how it was intended. Yes. Yeah, yep. exactly. And what did God want it to be in the first place? Mm-hmm. Not all of the ways we've screwed it up as human beings. Yeah, right. right. What did God want it to be? So <clears throat> let's now look at scripture that actually speaks to polygamy. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people argue, listen, there's a whole bunch of polygamists in the Bible and God didn't seem to have any yeah. problem with them. Yeah, that that tends to be a common argument yeah. because you see a lot in scripture. It it is true. Like there was polygamy. It, like it was recorded in the Old Testament that lots of kings had many wives yep. and like and mistresses and stuff like that. And it just it was something that happened. And so we're going to cover what that was and we're going to address it for you guys today. Yeah, but first we want yes. to look at these scriptures that directly speak to God's opinion yes. of polygamy. So yes, let's let's exactly. get into that. This first one is just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20 says, when you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you, who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself, or cause... Uh, Sorry, or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again, and he shall not acquire many wives for himself, you shall never return that way to that way again. Um, let his heart turn away, or nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests and it shall be with him and he shall read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord, his God by keeping all the words of his law and these statutes and doing them that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers and that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right hand or to the left so that he may continue long in his kingdom. He and his children in Israel. So there we go. So this mm-hmm. is an interesting passage about the kings that are going to come in Israel. Uh, Moses writes this down. So this is yeah. <clears throat> this is um, prior to the time of the judges. So this is a, like 300 years before King Saul <laughs> becomes king. 
mm-hmm. and God knows that they're going to eventually want a king, so he lists some rules, and he says there's three things the kings aren't allowed to do. They're not allowed to multiply horses for themselves and go back to Egypt and trade horses. Yes. They're also not supposed to amass excessive silver and gold for themselves, mm-hmm. and then they're not supposed to acquire many wives and it says, yeah. lest his heart turn away. Yeah, see, and this is the law. That's like, yes. that is the original law. So kings are supposed to follow this. Yep, don't, get, don't mm-hmm. have multiple wives, don't acquire excessive silver and gold, and don't trade horses with Egypt. Yeah. And then yeah. it says, and the king is supposed to write this law down, which either means this specific law or the whole book of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. and then have it okayed by the Levitical priests so they read it and go, yeah, that's legit. That's what it says. Yeah. He was supposed to hand copy it himself and rule out of this book. Yeah, and it's a way to acknowledge uh, the hand copying there. It was a way to acknowledge, yes, I understand the law. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm supposed to follow this. And on top of that, I'm going to make this uh, known before God by having a priest approve this. Yeah. That's literally what's happening here. And, and they so, have their own copy of the book. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that they wrote. That they wrote. Yeah, yeah, so that's the thing. It's saying you not only should know the law, mm-hmm. but you also copied it down. You wrote it and mm-hmm. you made an oath to and, follow that. Yep. Yeah, and Deuteronomy mm-hmm. was the book that the kings were supposed to rule out of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so you look at Saul, who had multiple wives, David, who had multiple wives, mm-hmm. Solomon, who had multiple wives, and pretty much every other king of Israel Israel and Judah had multiple wives. Yeah, they did. But they also were supposed to have written this down and have it and rule from it. And none of them did. Yeah. They actually disregarded this section, even though they knew what it said. And it's one because of the, they didn't want to do any of that. Well, it wasn't yeah. cultural, right? Yeah. The way you advance is you marry different kings' daughters, and so now you have protection because mm-hmm. there's family allegiance. So instead of trusting what God said, they took matters into their own hands in order to secure borders and to, to help them get richer instead of yeah. trusting in God's provision and doing what he said was right. Um, one thing I think is interesting is, you have Jesus come on the scene, right? And he's the king, mm. right? He's the Messiah king. And uh, Jesus quotes from the book of Deuteronomy more than he quotes from any other book <laughs> in the New Testament. Is that fascinating? Yeah, that really is. He's yeah. showing you, I know the book I'm supposed to rule from, and, that's, that's and the I'm the king. And he didn't multiply wives for himself or trade horses with uh, Egypt or amass silver and gold for himself. And he understood the law. That's it. Yep. And he followed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he followed didn't it, just yeah. know it. Yeah. He actually well, followed it. We yeah. got to acknowledge that because the kings, they knew. They, they knew, knew what the this said. They just oh, they, didn't they do they it. They absolutely yeah. knew it. Yeah. Yep. You, can't, so. you can't say that they oh, missed that. Nope. <laughs> no, no. So, so it's right there. Yeah. The king is not supposed to have multiple wives. All right. Let me read another passage. This is from the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. Paul says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife Mm -hmm. and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, this is a really interesting passage, because he's just talking about how marriage and sex are supposed to work. You, you Because of temptation and lust and sex, and that we all have that drive, it's good to get married. 
and you should mm-hmm. have your own wife and you should be he says you know performing your conjugal rights to one another yeah right but having sex with one another right um and satisfying that de- that desire mm-hmm. um so he, he says this that's what we're supposed to do but you notice how he says each man should have his own wife each woman her own husband it yeah. doesn't say he should have multiple wives Mm-hmm. Or she should have multiple husbands. It's yeah, very specific right. on each one should have one. And that is the relationship in which sex is uh, permitted and should yeah. thrive and should be good. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's supposed to be one husband, one wife. That, that's what it is. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul taught. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, there's another passage. You want to read this next one? Yeah, and this is First <laughs> Timothy 3, 1 through 2. It says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires... To the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And uh, do you see that? It says a husband of one wife. It mentions one. Yeah. Along with, well, the reason that's really crazy here is because he's, he's coupling that in with uh, self-control, respectable, hospital, able to teach, and sober-minded. Like, all yeah. of those things in with husband of one wife. Yeah. He puts that in the same category. You need this yes. in order to be, in, like, hold the office of overseer. So he's, yeah. he's literally saying that polygamists can't be elders that, in the church. That is exactly what he's saying. Right? And so, yeah. It, now, the, and now this, mm-hmm. this phrase is interesting because it, yeah. it, um, we, we translate it husband of one wife, mm-hmm. but it literally is one woman man. The word for, the word for woman and man there is used for husband and wife as well, but it, but it also applies to people who aren't married. Like you could be, you could be a single guy dating 30 women well, you should, oh. probably shouldn't be an elder in a church because you're not a one woman. Well, yeah, man, yeah. You know, that's crazy. But you're absolutely <laughs> you're playing right. the field like crazy. Yeah, and that's yeah. what they're doing here. They're trying yeah. to say, well, in this passage, it's saying husband of one wife is literally meaning one woman, man, one yeah. man, one woman. That's yep. the whole goal here. It's yep. the, you don't have multiple wives. You don't. You don't have no. multiple women. You don't have multiple girlfriends. Mm-hmm. You're a one woman man because that's the way God intended it to yes, be exactly. and designed it to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting when you think about, so first Timothy was written to Timothy while he was in Ephesus and he went there to remove yes. crappy elders <laughs> because they were sleeping yeah. with the rich widows of the church. Mm-hmm. So he goes there to remove them, and Paul says, hey, listen, the new guys need to be one-woman men. They, they shouldn't be like these other elders that are looking for sordid gain and money and letting these uh, rich widows manipulate them uh, for sex and for power and things like that. Now, Paul also writes a letter to Titus, who is on the island of Crete. So this is a different culture, this is a different place, and he's talking to him too about having uh, elders and overseers and and what the qualifications for that should be. And in this passage, he also mentions that they're to be one woman men. Now, all that background to say, there are things that Paul doesn't mention to Titus that he told Timothy to do. Mm -hmm. Like he told Timothy that they shouldn't be new converts. Because if they are new converts, they could be puffed up and think that they're yeah, awesome. Yeah. He doesn't tell that to Titus. And the reason is because the church in Crete was new and they all were new converts. <laughs> so if that was the case, you couldn't have anybody uh, else. But, yeah. but both, whether they were a newly established church or they were uh, an old church, right. both were supposed to have overseers who were one woman right, men. Right, right. So let me read this. Uh, this is Titus 1, 5 through 6. 
Uh, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife hmm. and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Right? So mm-hmm. the husband of one wife, a one woman man. Yeah. This yeah. is what Paul says you need to look for in church leadership. Now, it seems odd if polygamy was permissible in the Bible that he would say that's a qualification. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's very that's, odd. It is. Of course it is. Uh, that, that's just something that we see, though, that's a c- continuing pattern in these like qualifications like this mm-hmm. is what needs to happen you need to have one spouse it, it goes back to the like we said in the beginning one man one woman one flesh one lifetime that's how god created it to be yes. in the first place right exactly and so now that those are those are just a few scriptures <laughs> on where we can surmise that god isn't in favor of polygamy yeah the yeah. opposite side is there is no passage that condones polygamy mm. or says that it's prescribed to us so we have silence on that side but we have these <laughs> verses that are talking about no it's supposed to be one it's supposed to be one don't multiply wives for yourselves so we conclude Mm -hmm. hey polygamy is not god's intended design Mm -hmm. for marriage of course and yeah with that uh we now want to start to just get into a little bit more of why it's bad right yeah why does god say that yeah of course because that's something that we've been discussing too throughout this series it's that whenever god has something that's intended in his law it's not because he's trying to take away our joy He's not trying to rob us or hold us back of something. It's because there's an intention behind it. There's a design. Yes. Uh, So we're going to discuss now why it is bad for us. Uh, And I'm going to start that off with a quote by Todd Wilson. Yeah, he wrote a really great book called um, Mere Sexuality. (laughs) I like that. And it's really, it's a very, very good book. Yeah, yeah. But this is a quote that um, he made here. It says, polygamy undermines the one flesh union by robbing it of its mutual sorry, mutuality. In fact, in most creatures that practice polygamy, men occupy the superior position in the relationship by giving only part of themselves, not their whole self, Mm. to any one of their wives. This is why polygamy is ultimately demeaning and degrading to women. The wives give themselves wholly to the husband, but the husband's give himself only partially to each of his wives. Now, see, that is is fascinating, isn't well, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you got to think that it, you see that. That's what happens yes. in these scenarios. Yeah. Well, and yeah, if you've ever looked at, like, <clears throat> again, there are so many um, uh, YouTube videos and documentaries about uh, polygamous communities, especially with, like, Mormons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you listen to these women who live in those situations. It's not good. No, no, it's, it's not. not good. There's so much jealousy. There's so much hurt. There's the favorite wife, and so the kids of the non-favorite wives don't feel as good about their life. And yeah. why doesn't my dad like my mom as much as he likes my brother's mom? Right? Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's a it's a bad scenario, and it's because it's not the way God intended it to be. We're not one. Man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. Mm-hmm. You add multiples into that, and it just causes a problem. I was thinking about this. Um, do you know who the first polygamist recorded in Scripture is? Mm. To tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't. You don't, I don't know think this. I ever you, thought of that. You don't know this uh, okay. because it's a weird person. Okay. Okay. I, I but it goes this. all the way back. The first time it's recorded in Scripture of polygamy happening is in Genesis chapter 4, verse 19. Okay. And this is one of the sons of Cain, mm-hmm. and his name's Lamech. Listen to this. Lamech took to himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. 
then it talks about Ad- Ada giving birth and, and who she gave birth to. <clears throat> but then listen to this. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me and killed a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77. Uh, so Lamech's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a murderer, just like his dad was, just like mm. Cain was, but he also is the first polygamist recorded God, in scripture. Isn't that interesting? Well, no, that makes sense. I mean, uh, like, yeah, I did, you know, I think I thought of that before. Like, I mean, obviously I've mm-hmm. read that at some point. It's just something that you don't think of. Yeah. Yeah, you don't look for that. But that's interesting. I mean, it is. Uh, yeah, wow. But that's that goes way back. <laughs> it, go, it does go way back. I yeah. mean, it, it does. Well, and you know why? I mean, if you think about it in this sense, God has created this, we'll call it the um the the law of moderation. Yeah. Right? The most enjoyment in our life comes when we don't abuse things excessively mm-hmm. that are good things, right? Gluttony is a sin because it's it's using food too much. Mm, But food is supposed to be a blessing and it nourishes us. But when we go overboard with it, it's bad for us. Yeah, yeah. So gluttony is a sin because it harms us, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Alcohol, the Bible talks about alcohol is fine and and Jesus drank wine and other people are prescribed it and it's it's not a big deal. But the excess of alcohol is bad for us. Yes. Using too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Yes, that absolutely, I think, hits the point. And I think it's the same when it comes to marriage, Mm -hmm. right? People think, oh, man, if one wife's good, two must be better. No, it's not, (laughs) right? It's not. It causes issues and problems. And so I think it falls into that law of moderation. When we do things the way God has told us to in moderation, it actually brings about the most enjoyment we can have. Yeah, of Um, course. So I understand where Lamech was thinking, oh, yeah, two is better than one, but... Uh, he was completely wrong. And he, think about this, he was the grandson of Adam and Eve. Yeah, so he well, knew how it was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. And the, part of that, this is just a speculation thing too, but it's also like, I, you got to think like they were probably his sisters too, is the other fact of that. It's like, yeah, or cousins or at least, cousins, least or yeah. something. It's yeah, a, sure. just interesting to think about like at the beginning of like humanity, like towards the early yeah. stages, it's just, this is happening. This yep. is going on. So just crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of just the idea that we're getting into here. We're trying to uh, help you guys understand like this. There's lots of problems with this and there's tons yes. of issues that come well, with polygamy. And now let's talk about this. <clears throat> the Old Testament, Tyler, is filled with characters in the Bible, the good guys in the yes. Bible. And they were polygamists. Mm-hmm. So how do we as Christians say polygamy is wrong when our Bible is filled with a whole bunch of people who practice polygamy? Yes, exactly. Well, this is what we want to say right before we start off the bat. Again, mm-hmm. nowhere does the Bible condone polygamy. Nowhere does it say it's permissible. However, it does record that many Old Testament figures were polygamists. Mm-hmm. But here's the catch. We got to talk about is the Bible prescriptive or descriptive? So just because something's in the Bible, does it mean that we are being told to do it? For instance, Judas committed suicide. That's recorded in the Bible, yeah, right? That's absolutely true. So is the Bible prescribing that you and I should commit suicide? No, and, and people don't believe that. No, like, no of, course of course not. Course, like yeah. that's crazy. It's just telling us what happened. Yes. Polygamy mm-hmm. falls into that category where it's describing what happened, but it's not prescribing what we should do. Of in course. fact, God, like we we talked mm-hmm. about, he speaks against the idea of polygamy in other yeah. passages. So prescriptive descriptive is a really great assessment tool to think through when it comes to these topics. But the other thing is this, just because God allowed his people to take multiple wives does not mean that he approved of it. 
Of course. Just yeah. like God allows you and I to make a bunch of stupid decisions, uh-huh. and that doesn't mean he approves of them. And well, right? that's all that they were <laughs> but doing. But he allows it. Uh, that's all that they were doing when they recorded that in the Old Testament, especially mm-hmm. where you see the uh, that polygamy is common. It said, it'll it say God allowed this to happen, or sure. he, he allowed so-and-so to take yep. this Or they wise. just did it, but he never yeah, tells yeah. them to do it. He never it prescribes yeah, it. Al- allowing something does not mean you gave permission. It's no. just, that's not at all what it means. And this no. is something that it, it is important for us to think about is that God loves human beings and he's always working with us ever since the fall. He's working with us mm-hmm. in broken cultures and in broken systems mm-hmm. with us making stupid boneheaded decisions. Yeah, yeah. And he still works within that. Um, he, he doesn't wait for people to be perfect in order for him to, to move into relationship mm-hmm. with people. Yeah, that's right. And so often I, I look at the polygamy in the Old Testament, I'm like, man, that was so horrible. But again, and it was, it's not condoned. It's not okay. What David and Solomon and Saul did, it's not okay. But they were just going along with their culture. And that should give us pause to think, what in our culture are we just kind of going along with that we don't even realize is such a huge issue? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is yeah. it? Well, for instance, um, on one on uh, uh, YouTube today, uh, there was a guy who was talking about when we, uh, our last episode, which was about waiting to have sex until marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And he was arguing, oh, of course. well, people don't just give, how do you say it? It's like, people don't can't just give a cow to somebody's dad, and then they can get married when they're 16. And so people are waiting until their 30s, you know, early 30s <laughs> or mid 30s to get married. And you're telling me that we're supposed to wait until marriage to have sex? Our bodies weren't made like that. God didn't make us like that. God made us to have sex earlier than that. And I said, well, you can get married earlier than 35. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, no, what that, are you talking about? That sounds about? like he's arguing I'm, that it... Yeah. yeah. And I said, I know a ton of people who got married earlier than 35. Yeah. And he's like, well, in this culture, because you got to you know, get to a place where it's not so easy to find somebody. Oh, blah, so blah. there it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and then I then said... it's not about being 35. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and that's what I, I said. Listen... God's standards for morality don't change just because of our current cultural situations. But that's exactly what the polygamists in the Old Testament were doing. They were disregarding God's uh, uh, design for marriage because they were letting their cultural Mm. situations dictate their decisions. And we shouldn't ever do that. That's a really good modern example, Robbie. I I think it's true. That's what people do. And so it's something that we need to look at for ourselves and to gauge whether or not we are... uh, indulging in the culture rather than looking at God. Well, and man, you know, what's crazy is, um, yeah. I, I hope that these guys realize that we're going to, we're going to look at some of the old Testament polygamous yes. examples mm-hmm. uh, and see how it worked out for them. Cause yeah, it never yeah. works out. Okay. Um, but I hope they realized it was a bad idea. Yeah. Right. Um, right. but man, sometimes I think they didn't even realize they were just going along with what you do. Like, this mm-hmm. is just what you do. You they know, might, like through their lifetime, they might not have like fully yeah, acknowledged. I don't know. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. Well, yeah, it's not recorded with all these cases. So yeah, we don't fully know that. Uh, but let's get into that a little bit. Like you said, um, okay. So how did polygamy work out for the people in the old Testament? That's, that's the yeah, question. Just, okay. So there are polygamists mm-hmm. and how does the story end up when they live a polygamous yeah, yeah, lifestyle? Let's see what happens. Let's look at it. Yeah. Let's look, we're going to start with Jacob. Okay. Okay. So he's kind of important. Oh, of course. Yes, right? he is. Yeah. Abraham's grandson, mm-hmm. he, name gets changed to Israel. The 12 tribes come from him. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal, big right? Deal. But he of was course. a polygamist. Indeed he was. Oh, Indeed okay. he was. So we're, we're going to start with Jacob. Um, so this is, I'm going to read a passage from Genesis 29, 30 through 35. And it says, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah. 
and he served with Laban for another seven years. Okay, let's stop right there. Yeah. So you remember <clears throat> the story is uh, Jacob, he goes and he he falls in love with this girl named Rachel and he's working for her dad. And mm-hmm. he says, if you work for me for seven years, you can marry yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, that's does. right, that's right. And then the dad pulls the old switcheroo and gives him his other daughter, Leah, which I'm wondering, like, how do you not know it's not the girl you wanted to marry on your wedding night? So was there a lot of drunkenness or who knows? Mm, But um, later on, Jacob realizes that wasn't Rachel. That was Leah, the older sister. And he goes back to Laban and he says, what the heck? Maybe they looked really alike. (laughs) Maybe. And he, but he says, Hey, you have to uh, work for me another seven years if you want Rachel. And so he does it right. And then he gets to marry Rachel. And like you said, so he went Mm. into Rachel and he has sex with Rachel, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that means when it says that. So now he's got two wives. Yeah. Sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's read, what's happening Read here. on. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this is continuing from verse 31. Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Okay, so does it sound like she's loving life? Yeah. It- she keeps thinking, this <laughs> son will attach us. This new kid will now make Jacob love me. He'll come yeah, and he'll yeah. sleep in my bed instead uh-huh. of Rachel's bed. No, he didn't. It's he didn't love her. It's he loved Rachel. He loved Rachel. Yeah. Yes. And that, that was from the beginning. That's what's happening. Yep. And so what, what you see is it's, it's really sad. For, for the wives, that's actually going into that quote earlier by uh, Todd Wilson a little mm-hmm. bit. You can see this is it put into example. Yeah, she's, she's longing. She's giving him all of herself. Yep. L- literally, like she's she bore several kids for him. And then notice at the end, it's almost like uh, like she kind of just gives up at that point. She's like, I know I'm not going to get his favor, so this time I'm I'll doing this. God. Yeah. I'm doing this to glorify the Lord. I'm yeah. just saying, Lord, thank you for giving me a son. Well, now listen, this, yeah. the story goes on. Of course, right? yeah. So yeah. very next chapter, again, mm-hmm. there weren't chapter markings in the original, so yeah. this This just keeps going through. Let me read a little of this. Chapter 30 of Genesis. Now, when Rachel saw that Leah had born Jacob, oh, sorry. Now, when Rachel Mm -hmm. saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. So she's not content. Yeah. Right. She's jealous (laughs) of the kids. Her sister's jealous of her and the relationship she has with Jacob, right? Verse two, then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? She said, here is my maid Bilhah. Go into her, have sex with her, yep. that, you may, that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. And again, it, you study archaeology. This was a cultural custom of the time. Uh-huh. It's not good. God doesn't permit it. Uh, God doesn't prescribe it. Right, but he's yeah. working with people in broken culture, just like he does with us. Mm-hmm. So this was something that they did back then. So she, Bill Hutt now is like a surrogate mom yeah. to give a child to Rachel because she can't. Mm-hmm. All right? So that's what she's wanting. <clears throat> and you would think Jacob says, no, come on. That's perverse. I'm not doing that. What happened? 
Oh, so Let's she gave here. yeah. <laughs> so she gave him her maid Bilha as a wife. Okay, oh. now it's not just a concubine no, anymore. It's a wife, third wife. There we go. Uh-huh. And Jacob went into her. Bilha conceived and bore Jacob a son. And then Rachel said, "God has vindicated me and has indeed heard my voice uh, and has given me a son." Therefore, she named him Dan. Mm. Rachel's maid Bilha conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. So you see, the whole motivation for having these kids is the jealousy of her and her sister. This Uh is a mess. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Okay, now Jacob's got four wives. Yeah. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben, okay, now who's Reuben? Reuben is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first son, right? The first son. He's the oldest son of all Jacob's kids, and he was born of which wife? Leah. Leah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so not the favorite wife. Of course. The oldest kid, not the favorite wife. The first son of Jacob. Okay. Now in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went out and found mandrakes in the field Mm -hmm. and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, then Leah went out to meet him, and she said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my maid to my husband. Think about that. God is repaying me because I gave him a fourth wife. How twisted is all this? See, and that's another thing. People will read that. And think that that's like actually what's happening, that God actually God gave didn't her say pay- that. Yeah. No, she said that. <laughs> yep. which, uh, they're trying to point out like this is a mess. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Prescri- he's describing, describing what So happened. actually he's not even trying to point out. I shouldn't say yeah. that because he's not trying to point out. He's just describing what's happening. Yep. And that's what's happening. It's messed up. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. So Leah named this son Ishakar. Yes. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I've borne him six sons. See, she's still, now he's going to live with me all the time. Now he's going to stay in my bed, right? So she named him Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named him Joseph saying, may the Lord give me another son. (laughs) And then we know that Rachel also gives another son to Jacob and they name him Benjamin, right? Yeah. Now this is, does this sound like a harmonious family? It sounds like dysfunction and infighting and jealousy over who's sleeping where. And now you've got, hey, if you give me, there's bartering going on for sex. It, it's completely not what Paul says about sex in a marriage in 1 Corinthians, right? Yes. A husband's supposed to give conjugal rights to his wife. A wife is supposed to mm-hmm. give conjugal rights to her husband because it's not yeah, your body. Yeah. But now they're bartering over who gets to use the body. Yes, It's exactly. a mess. And then one thing that, that we, we didn't have time to read through is, so Reuben feels really bad for his mom because he knows she's the least favorite wife. Mm -hmm. It says he feels bad about that. And so um, what he does to vindicate his mom being mistreated by Jacob is he takes Bilhah and he sleeps with her. 
So now you've got the oldest son of the least favorite wife taking your your favorite wife's maid servant, who's now your wife, and sleeping with her. This is just dysfunction on a, in a, a huge level. Now, the amazing thing is that God has the 12 tribes come from this dysfunctional family. Yeah, That's what's yeah, amazing about it. But, yeah. but think about it. The 12 tribes did come from four different women. Mm-hmm. They all had Jacob as their father, but they all had... Uh, different, not all, but there right, were right. four different women involved. In yeah, that. and well, that's the thing. So we're starting to see, like, that's just one example. It's of a mess, someone, dude. Yeah, of some a major figure in the Old Testament who had who in, in, practiced polygamy and it did not work out very well. It didn't work out for him. And he, no. and in fact, Jacob at the end of his life when he's blessing his sons, mm-hmm. which was another cultural thing to do on your deathbed, mm-hmm. he, when it comes to Reuben, he doesn't give him any blessing. He curses him because of what he did by sleeping with his other wife. So now you've got that whole tribe who doesn't have a blessing. I mean, it's just, it's a mess, man. Yeah. It is not the that. way God mm-hmm. intended it to be. Absolutely. Let's talk about another figure in the Bible. A really good one yes. that a lot of people like to point out. Yes, yes. Okay. And now this is David, right? Okay. King David of the Old Testament. Now what's interesting too, the, uh, another reason we're pointing out, uh, talking about David here too, is that um, he's one of the main people that people will turn to, to argue for polygamy. Sure. They'll say, look, he was a man after the Lord's own heart, yeah, right? It's fine. He, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, there's lots of issues with that argument, but but <laughs> yeah. for, when it comes to polygamy, we'll see that like how that worked out for him. Let's really see yep. what happened here. So let's read and see how many, how many wives did David have? Let's get yeah, into it. Let's get into it. All right. So I'm going to read, this is a... Uh, um, Samuel 18, 27 through 29 said, so Saul gave him Michal, his daughter for a wife. When Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter loved him, then Saul was even more afraid of David. Thus Saul was David's enemy continually. All right, so first wife David had, uh-huh. Michael or McCall. I don't McCall, know how you say yeah. it actually. Uh, I just uh, sorry, I'm Saul's just daughter. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Saul's daughter. Right, okay. that's wife number one. Mm-hmm. Number and one. You remember what he did to to get her? He he killed a hundred Philistines and yeah. Saul a hundred foreskins. Yes, of the yes, that's actually that's that's, that's the us, story. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So, and the reason that that uh, Saul promised him that if he did that, he'd give him his daughter is because mm-hmm. he thought the Philistines would kill him. So yeah, he, he, yeah. he, he was didn't, he didn't like win. this at yeah. all. No, he yeah. didn't. Yeah. So, okay. Wife number one, McCall, mm-hmm. right? Michael. All yes. right. So let me yes. read. Uh, this is 2 Samuel 3, 2 through 5. Sons were born to David at Hebron. So this is when he's been running away from Saul. He's not in Jerusalem yet and hasn't become king of all Israel, but he's been declared king in Hebron. Mm-hmm. All right. Sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Ammonin by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. And his second, Chiliab, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And the third, Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. And the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. And the fifth, Shephtiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ithrium, by David's wife, Egla. These were born to David at Hebron. Okay. Oh, yeah. So let's count these up. So he had Michael from the passage you read, uh-huh. and then he had Ahinoam, Abigail, Maccah, Haggith, Abital, and Egla. Yeah. That's, so now we're up to, that's seven wives. Already. Already. He's mm-hmm. not even king in Jerusalem yet. No, you're right. <laughs> he's not. Okay, so he's got seven yeah, wives imagine. thus far. Okay. So uh, meanwhile, and sorry, this is 2 Samuel uh, 5.13. 
Uh, continuing on with this, uh, it says, Meanwhile, David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. Okay, so... And we now, don't even know how many at that point. We, it doesn't... It, we don't know. And this yeah. could be referring to the next person, like, as a wife. Right, or, yeah. I mean, it does say... Um, when Nathan's rebuking David for his sin with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. he does say that he got some of Saul's wives. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and concubines. Yeah. We know for sure he had 10 concubines at least because when mm. he flees because his son is taking over the kingdom, when Absalom's taking yeah. over, yeah. Um, it says that David left 10 concubines to uh, take care of the palace. Mm. Um, so we know he has at least 10 concubines. At least, yeah. He's got seven wives thus far, but it says he took more wives and concubines, so we don't know who or how many that is. Uh, but he did have at least one more wife. And we can get to number eight, and this is with the sin of Bathsheba, right? Which is yeah, a right. common story. Um, so Second Samuel 11, 26 through 27. You know the story, um, David, he's not out at war where he should be. He's on his palace roof. He sees a woman bathing. He lusts after her. Mm -hmm. He asks who she is. She's the wife of one of his commanding generals. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, okay, that guy's busy with war, sends his men to get her. She comes in. They sleep together. Um, He sends her back home. Uh, So lust fulfilled, right? Nobody's going to know. She sends him a message (laughs) that says, hey, I'm pregnant, and my husband's been away for a long time. This is bad news. Yeah. So David eventually, after trying to get Uriah to sleep with his wife so he'd think it was his kid, which that's, is that good to do to your child? That's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually has Uriah killed in battle because um, he he doesn't want to admit to the adultery. Yeah. So yeah. he has Uriah killed. And then when that happens, he takes Bathsheba as his wife. Yeah. Right. And they have a kid, and then the kid dies as a punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want—I just want to read Second Samuel eleven twenty-six through twenty-seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when the wife of Uriah—that's Bathsheba—heard mm-hmm. that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Yeah. So. <clears throat> wife number eight, we, we see that David had at least eight wives, probably more, plus he had concubines, which are basically, you know, harem girls that you can have sex with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's just the interesting thing. So, so, how, so how does this work out for him? That's yeah, what we want to get into that now. That is okay. the interesting thing. How does this work out? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about, this is, uh, this, this next por- portion is about, um, sorry if I butcher the names a little bit, a bit but here, Amnon, Tamar, and Absalom, okay? Yep. This these are three of David's kids. Yes, uh, to clarify, <laughs> these aren't wives. Yeah, these are yeah. these are kids. Uh, and now, so I'm going to read on. And this is Second uh, Samuel 13, 1 through 2. It says, Now it was after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, uh, sorry, yeah, Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill, for she was a virgin, and it seemed hard to Amnon to do anything to her. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, okay, situation here. <clears throat> Absalom mm-hmm. is one of David's um, oldest sons. Yeah. Um, and he has a half-brother, Amnon, because David had eight wives. Mm-hmm. So Absalom has a full sister, Tamar. Yes. So. That's why it clarifies that. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Amnon is a half-brother to Absalom and Tamar. Mm-hmm. So Amnon, the son of David, falls in love with his half-sister, Tamar, mm-hmm. and he wants to have sex with her. 
but she's a virgin in the court. So he doesn't know what to do. Right? That's what it says. So he's moping about it, and he's just lovesick over it. And he's talking to one of his friends, and, and his friend says, uh, th- this is the rest mm-hmm. of the story. Yeah, yeah, You'd have to read, like, chapters. Oh, of course. <laughs> but, yes. but his friend yeah. says, hey, why don't you pretend like you're sick and then have your sister Tamar come in and take care of you, and while she's there with you, you know, one thing will lead to another. And Amnon thinks, hey, this is a great idea. Yeah. So he, he pretends like he's sick. David comes to see him, and David says, what's wrong? He says, I'm just so sick. Can you send T- Tamar to come and make food for me and take care of me? She always, you know, lightens my spirits. And David's like, yeah, okay. So he sends Tamar in. She's making him food. <clears throat> he sends everyone out of his house, and then he rapes her. Yeah. So he rapes his half sister. And mm-hmm. it was so crazy because it says that after he raped her, he despised her. And he was angry with her. And then he kicks her out. And she says, you can't kick me out after defiling me like that. Um, this is, And she, she protests when he's trying to come on to her. She's like, no, this isn't proper. This isn't what we're supposed to do in Israel. And it's because there's yeah. Old Testament laws against incest. Yeah, You're not yeah. supposed to do that to half-siblings mm-hmm. at all. <clears throat> but he presses onto her. He rapes her. And then he sends her out. And she rips the she had they had special um, sleeves to to show that they were temple virgins. Yeah, she rips them off. She puts ashes on her head and mourns because of this happening. Yeah, yeah. So her full brother Absalom hears about this. Mm, yep, here we go. And he goes, <laughs> "What happened?" And yeah, she tells yeah. him what Amnon did. So Absalom goes to David, and it says that David became very angry when he heard about this, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. Two years pass. <clears throat> And nothing happens, Tyler. And Absalom then uh, comes to David and says, hey, uh, I want to throw a party for all my brothers out at the ranch. And uh, is that cool? And he says, yeah. Are you sure you want all of them to come? Because I know that whole thing with Amnon and and Tamar. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want everyone there. Mm -hmm. So he invites all of his brothers to this party. And the party's going on out in the country at the ranch. And um, he, he has his servants kill Amnon. So is polygamy really a great idea? I mean, at this point, no. and so so David doesn't do anything because he practically did the same thing to Bathsheba. What's yeah. he going to tell Amnon? Like, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you did, Dad. I learned it from you, Dad. Right? Yeah, I mean, right. that's yeah, the, yeah, it's the yeah. classic line. Uh huh. So David has no leg to stand on because of his sexual appetites and not following what God said. Mm-hmm. And then his sons follow suit and start doing this stuff. So Absalom's like, my dad's not stepping up to play. I got to defend my daughter's honor. I mean, my dad won't even defend my sister. Are you kidding me? So he kills Amnon, yeah. which is horrific. Mm-hmm. And then Absalom rebels and he like forms a coup and he is trying to yeah. out David as the king and he's successful. Mm-hmm. David has to flee Jerusalem and Absalom goes and takes over. Uh, Absalom actually uh, sleeps with David's concubines that he left back at the palace to show I'm now in charge. So he, he they put up it says they put up a tent on top of the palace outside so mm-hmm. everyone could see what he was doing. Yeah. And so he and he took the concubines of his dad and he slept with all of them to show I'm in charge now. And then eventually what happens? Well, David comes back in with his army and Absalom gets killed in battle. So think about this. Because of David's polygamy, are you kidding me? 
Yeah. This, this is all just, happens. This yeah. is so horrific. This is so horrific. Yes. This just this just complicated things for them in yep. so many Death, ways. Jealousy, yeah. raping your sister, and and then, so now Dave has lost two of his older sons. I mean, it's mm-hmm. bad news, man. Plus, he loses a son, and that he kind of loses the whole kingdom for a little while. There. He does. Yeah. And it, and it all stems back to he did not follow what God said in Deuteronomy. Exactly. That he shouldn't multiply wives for himself. Exactly, because this is what happens. The other thing that's interesting, Tyler, yeah. as we talk about this next guy, mm-hmm. is he's one of the sons of David. Yeah, that's right. And so does he think, hey, my dad really screwed all this up? Or does he think, oh, that was a great example, and I'm going to follow suit? All right, so let's, <laughs> let's get, into get into it. Into let's it. talk yep. about the next guy. So, of course, we are going to be talking about Solomon now, right? Uh, so this is um, our, our last example that we're going to give for you guys of Solomon. Uh, this is first – I'm going to read a passage here of the, of the story – uh, from 1 Kings 11, 1 through 10. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Remember, that was in Deuteronomy. We yeah, read that earlier. It's a big deal. Yeah, so continuing on. Uh, Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives. Wait, how many? 700. So his dad has eight, maybe a few more. And he says that's So you just multiply that by a hundred basically. Seven. Well, not quite. Because it's hundred wives. 700. Oh my God. Yeah. It is insane. He had 700 wives, princesses, and here we go, 300 concubines, mm. and his wives turned his heart away. Yeah, well, and that's exactly what God said so, they would do. So he's sleeping with, if, you, if I'm doing my math right here, over a thousand women Yeah, who were, who were uh, like locked in with him, yeah. essentially. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. where it says princesses, that's important because he's, yes. he's intermarrying with all these different um, foreign king's daughters yes. to form mm-hmm. alliances to strengthen his uh, again, kingdom. Again, it's culture, right? Yeah. So, so not oh, yeah, all this of these, is what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so David's, it was, it was a little more personal in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, but, but still, like that being said, like it's not to say that there weren't personal ones too. Like he had over a thousand. Yep. Yeah, so that's what's happening here. Um, so continuing on, uh, for, uh, this is in verse four, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father had been for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow the Lord fully as David, his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for the Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab on the mountain, which is east of Jerusalem. And for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon, sorry, Ammon, uh, Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now the Lord God was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had, who had appeared to him twice. Mm. That's another big factor. And then verse 10, and it had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had <coughs> commanded. So see, 
This is what happens to him, right? He takes on a thousand women, yeah. a 700 wives, 300 concubines, and, and there's just so much mess going on with that yeah. between, and there's just so much paganism because what's interesting, he's not even fully devoted to like one wife's God. No. He's like, oh wait, I'm going to follow your gods, but I'm also going to follow this woman's gods over yep. here and hers over there. And I'm going to make idols to them. I'm going to make my people worship them. Yeah. It's a mess. Dude, when you think about Moloch was the, the, the god that they would do child sacrifice to. Yeah. So, so yeah. Sol- Sol- Solomon sets up child sacrifice in Jerusalem. He does. He Jerusalem. sets up child sacrifice in Jerusalem. It's, that is, it's abhorrent. It is detestable. Like yep. it says too, right? Detestable. Yep. It's disgusting what happens here. Now think about yeah. how crazy this is because uh-huh. he is easily the greatest king of Israel in regards to territory he oh, controlled, in, yeah. in regards to wealth in regards to power mm-hmm. he's the greatest he asked god for wisdom right god gives him wisdom god literally came and met with him twice i think it was yeah. the pre-incarnate jesus oh of course um, but yes, he comes and yes. he, he literally meets with him twice and none of that was enough for him to say you know what i'm gonna keep following this guy mm, yeah because sex and his wives turned his heart away towards false gods. Yeah, yeah. And so you think about the greatest king of all Israelite history wasn't brought down by attacking armies from the outside. He was brought down because of his lust from the inside. Yes. Is that crazy? Yes, yes, and that's what happened. And I mean, who knows what else happened? I mean, just think about it for a second. Obviously, it's not all reported. How can you report what Mm -hmm. happens between a thousand women? Yeah. But just think of the mess that David's like spun himself in with uh with just eight wives. Yeah. Now look at what what's like who who knows what well, other Well, you know what does well, happen yeah. is after so after Solomon dies, oh, yeah, yeah. there's a civil war and the kingdom splits mm-hmm. in two. Well, that's not what God had intended. He wanted yeah. it to be one kingdom that brought people to see who he was because there was this nation of priests that were pointing to the true God. Yes. Now yes. Solomon's sins have led the northern ten tribes to want to worship false mm-hmm. gods, while Judah and Benjamin were like, No way, we're still worshiping Yahweh. Yeah. So He's directly responsible yes, for the divided kingdom mm-hmm. and for the mess that comes with all of that with God's people. I mean, it's just, it's catastrophic what happened, and it's because of polygamous it, relationships. It is absolutely because of the polygamous relationship. That's yep. the whole reason, and that's the that's what is being told here. That's not just speculation, right? No, no, we're no, not, no. We're not just looking at this and... Like jumping through hoops here, like this is what the text says. Yeah. So when people say, "Hey, God must be okay with polygamy because there were so many polygamists in the Old Testament," I often like to say, "Have you read what happened to those guys? Yeah. Have you read how it worked out for them? It doesn't seem ideal. It doesn't seem like it was a good idea back then. No. No. It's probably not a good idea now. Not to mention we have all these other scriptures that tell us Mm -hmm. not to do that, and we're supposed to have one wife and one husband, right? It just it's crazy to me when people say, oh, it must have been okay. Really? You haven't read these stories then? Because it never turns out okay. It never leads to human thriving. It leads yeah. to uh, broken relationships, death, killings, rape. I mean, it, it's a bad scenario. And so I do not think that we were made to live polygamous relationships. I have, I have yes. this quote I really want to read. Yeah, This yeah. comes from one of the greatest mm-hmm. theologian thinkers of all time. We're both fans of his. Yeah, yeah. G.K. Chesterton. Uh, and he talks about polygamy. I want to read to you this. Um, he says, keeping to one woman is a small price for so much as seeing one woman. 
To complain that I could only be married once was like complaining that I could only be born once. It was incommensurate with the terrible excitement of which one was talking. It showed not an exaggerated sensibility to sex, but a curious insensibility to it. A man is a fool who complains that he cannot enter Eden by five gates at once. Polygamy is a lack of the realization of sex. It is like a man plucking five pears in mere absence of mind. I love that, right? Yeah. How many entrances into Eden does one man need? Yeah. You don't yeah. need you, one. You just need one, right? Yeah, and yeah. As we saying, when it comes to sex, when it comes to marriage, you just need one yeah, yeah. wife. And this idea of excess and, and seriously, like marital gluttony is what it is, right? Yeah, Relational yeah. gluttony. It's just, it's so absurd because you cannot use that much. You don't need that much. And to be honest... It causes, it causes problems, like we saw with Leah and Rachel, right? The jealousy and the infighting, yeah, right? Yeah, <clears throat> Bathsheba becomes the favorite wife of David, right? Mm -hmm. um, that was an issue. Yeah, one thing we didn't mention was how Michael, you know, Saul's daughter, uh, Saul makes her leave David, and he gives her to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much broken relationships, so many problems, so many issues. And um, when people try to say, oh, the Bible has polygamy in it, therefore it's okay. Mm. I just ask, you haven't read these stories. Yeah. Because if yeah, you did, you'd absolutely. see it didn't work out very well. Yeah. And that is the goal of what we were trying to uh, bring to you guys today. We hope that uh, this has been enlightening to you. Um, and and th this is stuff that a lot of people who like grew up in the church and who have a good theological background, like, yeah, you understand, like, like polygamy sure. is wrong, right? But hopefully, if anything, this opened your eyes to just how messed up it really was mm -hmm. and just really how disgusting it is. And hopefully this kind of gives you an idea of um, uh, how to defend the biblical position of one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. Yep. And that's what we're trying to get at here. We want to be able to understand God's intentions with sexuality, and that includes with how we need to respond to people that are saying that the Bible allows polygamy, which it does yeah. not. As you can clearly see through all the messes of things that God has said in, yep. the, in his law, and then with what happened with the people who tried to make it work. It, yep. it doesn't work. It brings pain. It brings destruction. It brings... Uh, death, it, it tears down nations. It That's does. how horrible this is. I mean, is. it's pretty crazy to think about that. Yeah. Song. It tears down nations. Yes, yes. And so we got to be people who live by the book. We've mm -hmm. got to learn from the bad examples that we see in scripture, yeah. as well as yeah. the prescriptions of what God tells us to do. And to be honest, we have to trust that he has our best in mind. Mm -hmm. When it comes to sexual sin, no matter what it is, so often we believe that that we need to get ours or we can have more fun if or this is how God's made me. And the truth of it is it only hurts us when we distrust that God has our best in mind. Mm. And so listening to what he says brings real fulfillment. Doing things outside of the way that he's prescribed them brings harm and it brings pain and it brings turmoil. Um, and it might be fun for a little while, yeah. but then we become slaves to that instead of freely choosing to do what we want to do. Yeah. And so we don't want that for you. We want to listen to what God says. He's in the position to tell us yeah. how we're to yeah. operate. He's actually the guy who made us, so he, he knows how we're supposed to operate well, and he's told us in his word. And so let's be people of the book. Let's be people who live with that standard because it's from God, but it also works out better for us in the real world. 
All right, hey guys, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We will be back next week to continue talking about these issues. You know, June is Pride Month in America, yeah, right? Yeah, so great. we, we, we want to get into talking about some of those issues as well um, when it comes to homosexuality and transgenderism and things like that. But thanks so much for being with us today and really press hard into scripture when it comes to these kinds of issues because the Bible has a lot to say about how we are to live out marriage and sexuality. We'll see you guys next week. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ Culture, and coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.